Well, this morning, um, I'm excited to introduce uh, a family to you that are very near and dear to my heart. I met Gary and Brenda Keene probably about four years ago now. Um, Gary and Brenda are our four square missionaries to the nation of Kenya. They've been there for nine years. Nine, can it feel like nine years? It doesn't feel like nine years. I, uh, at our previous church, I served as the missions pastor, and, and uh, pretty soon after getting there, Pastor Ryan, our pastor at that church, had said, um, that video just really wants to play, doesn't it? <laughs> You'll get to see that in just a second. It's, it's chomping at the bit. Um, pa- pastor Ryan, uh, the pastor at the church, had a tie to Kenya, and, uh, and he said, Barry, you're the missions pastor. We're going to connect with Kenya. In fact, Two weeks after coming on staff at that church as the missions pastor, I was in an airplane on my way to Nairobi, and I got to meet Gary and Brenda and spend time with them. And then over the years, we've just gone closer. Uh, they ended up, uh, that church became the, the facilitating or sending church for the Keens. Uh, and so we've gotten to partner. We've taken teams. Um, and they're doing amazing work. But I'll tell you, as, as a friend, I've just fallen in, fallen in love with this family. Um, the whole family, they are, they are amazing people. They serve, you know, the selfless faith that we're talking about. It, it's people like Gary and Brenda and their kids that really embody that, the work that you do so much that really no one will ever know. When you walk with them through the slums of Nairobi, and that everyone gets a touch, everyone gets attention, everyone gets a hug. And they just get, and, and, and this is the whole family. I've been, I've been in the slums with Brayden, their youngest, and she just, she just loves on people. And you just see the love of God oozing out of them. We want to welcome you this morning. They're going to share with us um, about the ministry they're doing in Kenya. Um, I want to introduce them first, then we will watch the video. Um, and then they're going to come and minister to us. But would you guys stand? I want to introduce you. Of course, this is Gary. And Brenda. Um, and then these are three of their amazing daughters, Lillian, Kaylee, and Brayden. And then their oldest, Caitlin, just graduated from APU. Um, and so she's local here with us. In fact, she'll be probably joining us at the barbecue later today. And so you'll get to say hi. But we're so glad. It's Personally, this is just a joy for me to have you here with us uh, today. So... Without further ado, we're going to play the video, and then, uh, and then we'll have them come up. With Kenya having a population of 40 million people, we have 60% or even more living in slums. The name Jacaranda itself... It's a name of a tree. So Jacaranda Zemini's tree is this whole tree planted with Christ being the center of it all. And then we have very many branches. It's a holistic ministry. We care for the whole person, physically through Jacaranda Care, the church that brings to life the transforming word of, of Christ. Jacaranda Creations that gives them something to work with their hands to put food on the table. We have Jacaranda Kids that handles the sponsorship to have these kids go to school to acquire knowledge. So really, Jacaranda is alive. It's a person. I I wish I could call it a person. So we come in with a basic need. Let's say food. 
that's when you introduce Jesus and after that you, you get to know what can they do what are the, some of the skills they can learn teach them a skill so they learn this skill and after learning this skill they're able to get money out of it money that will be able to feed them pay rent and even buy clothing for them then for the children we also pray and get a sponsor for the child and so here we have a child in school a woman who's being transformed spiritually and also is being empowered financially as you teach one lady encourage a lady to teach another lady it's one person reaching another with a little that you have to bless them and to bring them in so that the cycle continues and one person is able to reach another and before you know it the whole community is being transformed most of the people that we have in our churches those are women so if we train them actually they can get daily bread as a prayer and that one will contribute to the four square church when you empower the women now you're empowering the people so um, that is my prayer request to Chakaranda is to expand to me how i see the kings they obeyed packed up everything and came here they started it from their living room they started it with just one lady it's easy to take the word to the church wait for sunday and go preach the word in the pulpit but they took the word to the slum and as they were taking the word to the slum that's when they are able to see the kind of need when we first started jacaranda we got some resistance hey you're you're there to be church planters what are you doing with jacaranda but uh We knew that we couldn't just address the spiritual needs of people here. We also had to have a ministry that took care of the practical in a holistic way. You know, it's not just the Keens doing it. It's not just a local church necessarily going off doing their own thing. It's this partnership. I want family to be able to say, "Look what God is doing through us as we partner together as a Foursquare family." God gives us big vision to do big things, and it's going to take lots of people to get those things done. FMI could not be able to meet every missionary's needs out there. We need others. We need people. We need help. And I'm sure every missionary around the world feels that some same way. Come and help us. It's a good good work that that they have going. Many people have been evangelized. We have the tendency to to focus a lot on the initial aspect of the gospel of the conversion of people the evangelization and uh and once that takes place so we rejoice that happened and then we move to the next one and we don't see the full development of what we started before as we get missionaries to come to the field i i think that it is a responsibility as, as a sending church to support those missionaries FMI is our sending agency and uh there are covering and our friends in ministry but our funding comes from individuals and churches who want to stand with us partnering together working together is really what it takes to have effective ministry on the ground and to see the results long term not just a quick short in and out something that you're committed to and really see fruit that's going to last for generations to come I really want to encourage pastors to step up and consider partnering with FMI missionaries all around the world. God is doing something in these days and I think he's going to accomplish it through family. You know, so much of the ministry is family oriented. Who we are as Foursquare uh, around the world and it it takes all of us 
coming together and uh, partnering to see that will accomplished. Supporting these people is like raising a nation one step at a time. For something to grow, for a tree to grow, it needs all this kind of nourishment. Without this kind of nourishment, it withers. And we need them not to wither. We need them to be strong because we are tapping from them. Me sitting here is one of the fruits of tapping from them. And if we can have another me and three motions and another four mamsaras, you can just imagine how communities can be transformed. you guys come when we say welcome I do want to men- before I hand the mic over I do want to mention this at the end of the service uh, we'll actually be receiving an offering for Gary and Brenda for their ministry if you give through our online application through PushPay you can do that there's a category specifically for Jacaranda community and, and so you can give online And we'd love to bless them as well. If you noticed in the back, there's a table with some amazing Jacaranda Creations product. Celeste's there. She, Celeste's, uh, wave your hand, Celeste. There's Celeste. Celeste works with Gary and Brenda here in Southern California and helps facilitate uh, product uh, and distribution and sale of product here locally. Um, all, all products that are made by the ladies of Jacaranda Creations. But uh, just to give you a heads up that we'll be doing it at the end of the service. Would you come and bless us this morning? Amen. Good morning. It's good to be with you. Uh, you met the family already, and uh, uh, we're excited to be here with, with the Mulocks and uh, meeting some new friends this morning as well. Uh, just a little quick history on us. We're not going to spend a lot of time giving you all the background because it's, it's long. And uh, But I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Brenda was born and raised in Kenya. Her parents were missionaries with Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada that went to Kenya in 1955. She's not that old, but anyway, she was born over there. When she was 14, her dad became the missions director, moved back to Canada. That's when her and I met at 12 and 14, by the way. Started being involved in the youth group, and I proposed to her, when I was 17 years old (laughs) and got married at 19 and 20. A year later, I quit my government job in Toronto and she quit her job working at a television studio in Toronto. And our parent, my, my parents freaked out because I left a government job to go into ministry and into music. And I was like, what was that about? But from the time we started actually dating, we were going out weekends doing ministry together. We had a ministry for kids. We did children's television we did uh, singing. We recorded albums when we were 16 and children's records. Well, fast forward, we finally moved to Nashville, Tennessee to do music and sign with a the label there. We were in Nashville 12 years, began taking teams over to Kenya, doing music, bands, and whatnot. And uh, God began to really show us that we were being called as a family to, to move to Nairobi, Kenya, and we began to make plans through that with Foursquare. Now, I could preach a sermon on that process alone because we were ready to move and Foursquare told us, no, you can't go. 
you know, the, the national church was having issues, some pretty serious issues. And we're like, we're not sending your family into that mess right now. And for us, it was the death of a total dream. And you know, those times when you're asking God, did I miss it? Uh, what's going on? And I felt lost. We felt lost and we grieved, but God's timing is perfect. And uh, a few years later, we were released through Foursquare to go and, and uh, be missionaries in Nairobi, Kenya. The day we bought our tickets, we found out this one was on her way. And uh, we can't imagine life without her. She's, she's kind of our Kenya experience. She was born there, and her sisters uh, were very young, and Caitlin was, was young. That's, you'll get to meet her, as Brenda said, a little later. But... Uh, we wanted them to have a chance to say hi. We don't often, you know, I tour, we toured in music for so many years. And then as we started having kids, I was going out doing solo stuff alone. So it's fun for us to have our kids with us. And I wanted them just to, to greet you and say hi real quick. Um, well, I just thought I would share with you one thing. Sorry, I'm kind of sick. So um, one thing that I loved about Kenya um, was seeing the faith of, some of the, like, the kids that aren't even higher than this. I remember one day I went to um, the Jack Randa school that's there, and I walked in, and, and those um, little girls and boys were, um, some of them were kneeling, some of them were standing, and they were all shouting and praying to, to, the God, to God, and it was just um, really powerful to see their faith. Hello. My name is Kaylee, and something that I've loved about Kenya is just being able to interact <coughs> with people from all different cultures and religions and just being able to have... Uh, great discussions, and I've loved being with my family and friends. And yeah, just seeing the faith of all the people is just really amazing. <laughs> One of my favorite things is going to the slums and caring for people who don't know about the Lord Jesus. Okay. <laughs> now we're ruined. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, I can't talk. Um, that's one of my favorite things, too. And um, I think the first time she went, she was like two weeks old. Actually, she went before she was born, because uh, we used to go all the time. Gary and I have always gone into the slums when we've taken teams. And I think when we planted our church... Um, you know, you think you're going to have a church and you're going to bring people to the church. Well, we started to go out to the, to the slums to visit and, and share the gospel. I'm an evangelist at heart. And so my favorite thing is to tell people that Jesus loves them. And I was pregnant with her going out into the slums. And, you know, we've always been ministering to kids or doing different things. And when I went to the slums, all I could see was these mothers and they were holding little babies. They were pregnant themselves. They were hungry. They hadn't eaten. Yes, just terrible, terrible conditions. And I used to just, when I went to the slums, all I could see was the children. And this time, all I could see was the mothers. And I try to tell them, Jesus loves you. You're precious. God has a plan for your life. And looking at them going, those words, as true as they were, they, they just kind of fell flat to the ground. And I think that's when God began to birth in us a desire to, to do something practical as well as preaching the gospel. So that's when we started to 
do a sewing project. You know, we thought, well, what can we do? And so I started with a, a sewing project with one lady, just going and trying to teach them something that they could do, that they could have food to eat, so that then we could share the gospel and they, they're not so hungry that they can't think. And so I just want to also just in that encourage you that when you walk out your doors and around your community, what do you see? What do you see? Where can God use you? So as we're sharing a, you know, a bit more this morning, don't think about it as like you have to go to Africa to find the needs. The needs are everywhere. And uh, that was just my experience walking with her into the slums was seeing the needs of the mothers and the children and God giving us a solution. Now, that solution keeps multiplying and multiplying and we have so many bags and things that we don't even know how to sell them all. There's tons. <laughs> we started re- literally, you know, in our neighborhood with a few friends, the relationships we'd made from neighbors and Brenda pushing Braden in a, a stroller through the neighborhood and uh, inviting people to our life group in our home. And we would have a meal together and share the word, and the, the church began to grow. Around that time that we started doing that is about the time Jacaranda shortly after started as well. Uh, like she said, with one machine and one slum, an old pedal machine. There was no power in the slum originally when we were in this first slum we went into. And um, we, we finally launched the church at a hotel down the street and uh, we started in a room that would seat 40. And the first Sunday, we thought we'd get 25, and we had 40 the first Sunday. And God just kind of blessed it. We outgrew that. We went to a bigger room in the basement. And, you know, God has things uh, mapped out for us. And one of the things I wanted to challenge is, as we're sharing this story this morning, I want to ask you guys something. What would you do in your life, in your situation, where you're at today, if you were absolutely confident that God was with you. Absolutely confident that God was with you. Whatever it is you're facing, wherever it is you're going, whatever it is the trial you're up to, having to deal with, what would you do if you were absolutely confident God was with you? Because I don't know about you, but I forget that as soon as trouble comes along. The first sign, we want to panic. When we're told you can't go to Africa, we're like, ah, I miss God. When things seem to go wrong, ah, we miss God. We're in this church in the meeting in, in the hotel, and they tell us that because of terrorism, they don't want a church meeting in their hotel because it might become a target. And at the same time, this was like three and a half years ago, we were home on furlough here in America for six months and we're not there, and our leadership's in charge of everything, and we're hearing that they have to move locations, and we're like, you know, we panic, right? That's what we do. And yet we know in our head, we think we know that, you know, God, that didn't take him by surprise. It's not like God's up there wringing his hands going, oh, no, what are we going to do now? Angels, help me. It's like, hello, we, he saw it coming, but we don't. We don't act like we're absolutely confident that we know that God has the best for us in the days ahead. When something comes, it doesn't match up with our plans and our thought of how things should be going. Well, just so proud of our team, the way they, they managed that. They ended up finding um, a sports club, a Barclays sports club. It was in the video there. It's a gymnasium. We now meet there. We have like 
I don't know, five times the room we had in the hotel and to grow and, and to do things. And it was less expensive than the hotel. And so God just had a better plan. But at the time we panicked, I'll just be truthful. We were like, oh no, you know, what's, where's the, and the church, they met for a few weeks, just life groups and they were praying, fine, show us a place, show us a place. And God did that. Well, God continued to bless the ministry of Jacaranda. And one of the things that they were dealing with was the needs of all these children. You know, the mamas were coming to sew and thank God, but they were starting to make some of the beautiful bags and stuff you've, you can see in the back there and all these things they were making, but they still didn't have enough for school fees. Kids that were sick didn't have money. And to be honest with you, we're, we're self-funded missionaries. That means we have to come home and raise support and, and anywhere we can, any way we can. And we went with a very little budget. We, even this last year, Braden was homeschooled because of finances. We kept her home, but we know that as long as God wants us in the country, we're going to be there. And so we're confident that God will, will keep us there. But you know, we, we, uh, started to see the needs of these precious little children that were coming. So Brenda started a baby center next door to help take care of babies at one of our sewing branches. And there's, I don't know how many, seven or eight branches around the city currently. And, uh, these kids started going to a preschool program. One thing led to another. Uh, I'm going to fast forward, and it happened pretty quick, all within a couple of years, maybe even within a year. It, it just was kind of crazy. We, we launched three schools, uh, two Jacaranda academic centers. We have almost 200 kids now sponsored monthly, and that sponsorship goes to getting them a uniform, getting them in school. We know they get one meal a day at that school. And Jacaranda Care came out of that because some kids had to have surgeries and the moms needed medical attention. There wasn't budget. Jacaranda Care was launched and we host medical teams that come from the U.S. We, we had a team from Texas recently that saw over 2,000 kids in a week. Went to our centers, opened it up to the community and their families. And uh, they've been coming now for a couple of years, every, about twice or three times even, sometimes a year, they'll bring a medical team. And uh, so there's Jacaranda Care, Sheila that you saw there uh, with the stethoscope. She's uh, in charge of Jacaranda Care. So and then we have Jacaranda Academic Centers, Jacaranda Kids, Jacaranda Christian Fellowship is a church. Have I covered them all? Jacaranda Creations, the sewing ministry that, that does the sewing. And that's all Jacaranda community. It's a little confusing because it's just kind of like the tree. This is, uh, we've loved seeing all the blooming jacaranda trees this time when we've been here in SoCal and it's, it's fun to see that, but we have the same trees there and the idea that it, it, it's many branches that, that expand and that really happened within the ministry. Um, I'm going to, can I share a story now? Well, if they can, I'm going to tell them about Edwin. Might want to interact with that story or no? You want to sit down? They all, we have so many stories. So, anyways, I'll tell you one little story about a jacaranda kid. He became a jacaranda kid. We, um, we have uh, lots of slums that we go into. In one slum, we actually partner with a, a member of our church who has a school. And we would go visit that school. And usually when we go to visit a school, we, you know, we do some things with them. We care for them. We maybe do stories. And then my favorite part is we walk. We walk into the community and we go on house visits. And on this particular day, we went, he said, there's a a young boy that's been really struggling, had such a hard time. 
And we went, and he says, I want to tell you his story. So I went, walked with the principal of the school. His name is Albert. And he wanted to share this particular story with us. So this one home we went to, we met this little boy, Edwin, and his little sister, Sylvia, and their mom. So we're sitting in that room hearing their story. And this is how heart-wrenching it gets. This is a slum the little boy, the mom, the father has run away, abandoned them. The mother is so sick that she can't work any longer. She's, she used to kind of dig in a quarry to get stones. If you get a bucket like this big, if you chip away at the rock and get a bucket, you get like 10 shillings per bucket. 10 shillings. Yeah, it's like it takes 110 shillings these days to buy one bag of flour. So she would need to get 11 buckets full to buy one bag of flour. So this is a very desperate family. They're hungry. They don't have food. And Albert is a loving guy. We have a lot of children that we sponsor in his school to help him with his, his payments. So oftentimes he'll allow some kids to come to school for free. Edwin was one of these kids. He's kind of allowed to come for free. But at some point, Albert's like, can't do this. I can't keep letting these kids come for free because it's costing him money to pay teachers and rent. And so there was a time when Edwin had to do an exam and Albert had, the little boy had come for the exam and Albert had just, he was frustrated. He was tired. He was, had no money left himself. And so he told little Edwin, you cannot take this exam if you don't pay for the paper. Like it costs 200 shillings to take an exam. That's the exam fee. It's kind of across the board what they do. You have to pay for the pencil and the paper and everything to, have to take an exam. So he told little Edwin, you can't, you can't take this exam. Go and tell your mother you must pay. You can't come again without paying. So poor little Edwin, he's 10 years old. So he had gone home to look for money. Meanwhile, he's walking home going, I know there's no money because he knows his mom's been sick. They don't have anything in the house. When he got home, he found his mother. She didn't hear him at first come in and she could, he could hear her crying in her bed. She was in pain. She actually had a serious condition and she couldn't even get up hardly out of bed. So he walked in the house. He saw there was no food. He says, I know there's no money. He didn't even want to ask his mother because he could hear her crying. He says, why am I even living? He says, I study, I work, I go to school every day. I can't even take my exam and I want to learn, but I can't even take my exam for 200 shillings. That's like two bucks. So he found, because they all have rats running around in the slums, he found some rat poison. And he decided that today he was going to end his life. Because why live? He, he couldn't even eat. He hadn't eaten at that point for a few days. And so he took the rat poison and he was about to take it. When fortunately, his mother had heard him, I guess, getting in the room and it was unusual for him to be home. So she had managed to get up out of bed and she had stopped him from taking the rat poison. So anyways, I'm sitting in this house hearing this story my heart is breaking, and I'm thinking, in my head, I've been told by people, you know, back home, Brenda, you can't keep 
adding more kids because already our finances were tight. So I'm thinking here, looking at this little kid and I'm going, all I can hear is, you can't take any more, you can't take any more. And I'm thinking, but you can't not take this one, just one more. He has to be rescued. He has to be cared for, little Edwin. So I actually, I asked him, I said, can you come? Can I hold you? And he just sat on my lap. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not, but I had a 10-year-old boy sit on my lap and I hugged him and I told him that we loved him and we cared. That little boy cried, sobbed, gut-wrenching sobs for 20 minutes. A 10-year-old boy. I'm done. I'm like, there's no no just walking away and going, we'll pray for you. Okay, sorry. (laughs) They all love little Edwin, especially Brayden. Oh, sorry. I'm not supposed to tell sad stories in front of her. But she knows the good news, right? So the good news is that that day Edwin was sponsored. Um, we were able to find a sponsor for him to start paying his school fees so he could go to school. And that little sister, we were able to give them food that day because while I was holding him, his tummy was rumbling. And you're just like, so this is what we see every day. And that's the hard part. I mean, that's the wonderful part, though, because Jesus sends us to go in and hold and to hug and to touch and to care for these precious ones. And the mother was really sick, so Sheila, who you saw talking at the beginning on the video, she took Irene, Edwin's mother, to a mission hospital. We were able to raise like 800 or $1,000 to get her a much-needed surgery that she needed um, to get her better. Still been difficult for her to find work. So the family still struggles but they're getting better. They're getting stronger. And little Edwin and his sister, I wish I had thought to bring a picture to show you. They come to church every Sunday. And now the Irene, the mom, comes on Sundays. They are like, they're early. They stay through the whole thing. They're good friends with Brayden. And one, one time we got to go back and visit them. And one of Edwin's dreams is to be a pilot. And his sister, Sylvia, wants to be a nurse. So one day when we went visiting, Braden had this really cool airplane, like Playmobil. I don't know if you know what Playmobil is, but it was one of those things that she loved, but it was like under her bed. So she's like, let's take the airplane to Edwin. So we took the airplane, and she had a little doctor's kit, and we took that to Sylvia, and we went back to the slum to visit, and she was able to... Give them, were you all, all you girls with us that day? You're all there. So we were able to give them, and I have pictures with Lillian had Edwin on her back carrying him, and they were just able to give the doctor's kid and the airplane just as a token of we believe in your dreams. We believe that you can study, you can learn, and you can become a pilot. You can become a doctor. There's hope. That Sheila that you saw talking about that, um, if we had time, I would tell you a story about her mom, Sarah, the one who I started this with. Sarah wanted, was almost killed herself when she was a baby, but when she was a refugee begging on the streets of Nairobi, Sarah had that Sheila on her back begging for bread. I wanted 
to kill herself because she didn't have any food. But another missionary was able to reach out to her and help them in a time of need. And how God takes what the enemy wants to destroy and snuff out and push away. God sends hope. And he uses ordinary people like you, like me. He uses ordinary people to, to reach out their hands and to say, I love you. God has a purpose. God has a plan for your life. God has a way for you to go, a future and a hope. And so Sheila's life was saved. And now she's caring for others because God's plans are so much bigger than ours. So it's exciting and we get to be there. And yeah, we do a lot of crying, don't we? But we do a lot of laughing and a lot of rejoicing in what God has done and what God is doing. And so when people like Pastor Barry and others have come out and walked alongside us, it strengthens us. It encourages us. It gives us the energy that we need to keep going and it refreshes our spirit. So thank you for being a church that I know you'll be praying for us. I know some of you have already been and it makes a difference because your prayers um, your prayers help, your prayers lift, your finances help and they lift and then our hands as they're extended, we're just an extension of you just an extension of you reaching out. So thank you for listening and letting us share stories. We could be here all day with those. She could. (laughs) I'm the one in the car after church with the girls going, where's mom? She's still in there. No, (laughs) that's true. But anyway, um, the kids are in this morning and I wanted to encourage our kids. We were 12 and 14 when we started to do a ministry together. We literally went out every Monday night to a sick kids hospital in Toronto doing puppets, singing, started doing music on the weekends that led to touring full-time and music for 18 years on the road. Our kids, we need to recognize that God has called them and God can use pushing Braden in a stroller through the community. Uh, God uses kids. He called our family, and I hope you can see that. We know that we were called, but we know that just as much, God wouldn't just call Brendan and I without calling the rest, and even one that was still on the way to, to be ministers. And uh, so I want to encourage you guys to really uh, embrace kids' ministry and our kids' workers and our kids' leaders because uh, there's awesome potential. They're not the church of tomorrow. Those kids are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. So let's, let's see them how God sees them, the treasure that they are and the value that they are to the church and what they can bring to us. I've seen, we've seen families saved from the testimony of a young child who's gone back from a kid's meeting and then went home and then the parents come with the kids. So we would just want to encourage you that, that, that you guys remember your kids. Amen? Amen. So what would you do in your circumstance if you were absolutely certain that God was with you? How would you deal with that family situation, that work situation, that, that relationship that you're struggling with? Whatever it is, how would you deal with it if you were absolutely certain that God was with you? 
I won't go into the whole story. I, I'll preach a sermon someday for you on this, but just think about Joseph for a moment. There's a guy that went through his life, talk about disaster after disaster after disaster. But if you look at him, the way he lived his life, it was like he was living a life that he knew he was absolutely confident that his God was with him. Think about it. You know, I, you know from being thrown into a pit, sold, put in, you know, prison, watching other guys get promoted. They forget about him. How many of us, when that stuff would happen, it'd be like, really, God, you're going to leave me down here in the prison. You're going to let this guy go up there and, and, and and you've forgotten me. Would you not feel like that? I know I would. Then he goes into Potiphar's house and he gets accused for the very thing he had the integrity not to do. It doesn't say that it was one day a temptation. She came out of it again and again and again and again and again, and he didn't do it. He still went to prison for it. Wow. But how would you respond if you're absolutely confident that your God was with you? Before, I'm going to invite the kids to actually sing the, that, that worship song with me. It's a song I wrote. We're going to close with that. But before we do, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Father, I just thank you for my friends, God. And Lord, I I look across this congregation, and I don't know most of them, but you know the intricate workings. You know the details of their lives. You know what they're facing. You know the joys they're celebrating, but you also know the trials and, and the things that are just there. Some of them have family situations that seem impossible that they've been dealing with for years and relationship issues and work issues and all these things that you know about when you look at each of us and you care. So God, I pray that somehow today you would remind us to live a life that's absolutely confident that you're with us, that we can look at that situation and know none of this has taken you by surprise, that nothing's too great for you. You've already paid the price. The healing has been provided for because of the stripes you took. We can be healed. And Lord, I just speak a release of faith in this place. I just speak that over lives, over the lives of the kids and the youth who are listening to me right now that God's spoken dreams and visions to, and, and you're just trusting God. Lord, let them feel treasured and valued where they are today. The young men and women of God who are going to change this nation and other nations, anoint them, I pray, Lord Jesus. This is an act of faith of God's been speaking to your heart this morning. And I just, we just want to agree with you. Just lift your hand up if God spoke to you something this morning. Amen. Others, amen, amen. We agree with you in Jesus' name. All these hands going up. Amen, amen, amen. Look at me for a sec. What would you do in that situation if you were absolutely certain that God was with you? What would you do? Just picture it. Think about it for a second. How different would you respond? Now go and do it. Amen? Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to teach you a worship song. The iPod plays okay. We were having some cable issues. But uh, anyway, we're going to try. This is a song I wrote called Be Exalted. You'll pick up on the chorus really easy. Once you get it started, Kaylee, come join us. You girls want to come join us? And uh, let's worship the Lord together and let's lift him up. I love the verse that talks about if we lift him up, he's going to do the drawing. All nations unto him. Amen.
you to actually take your seats for just a few minutes. Guys, no, no, you got to stay. You can't leave. you got to come back. Kaylee, come on up. Um, I'm a crier. So, to give some context, when we talk about uh, walking through the slums, um, to understand what that's like, the sights, the sounds, the smell. Um, imagine a home, if you could call it that, less smaller than the size of this rug. Children, families, five, six, seven, ten people calling that home. Little shanty, walls, dirt floor, maybe a bed. The last time I was in Nairobi, one of the slums we walked through, we did a home visit and definitely the highlight of our time there because you just get to be with people. Sitting in this little home, there's like six of us that cram in with the family and we're just, you're just shoulder to shoulder and it's, it's hot. You're sitting talking to this mom with her children and you just ask the question, when's the last time your kids ate? Brenda would ask, she, she's so good at it, so good. Did they have breakfast this morning? No. Did they have dinner last night? No. Did they eat yesterday at all? No. When's their next meal? I don't know. And, and Brenda's right. In that moment, to say, well, Jesus loves you, and to leave just somehow seems hollow. And yes, he loves them. But to be able to 
to give them some money for food and bless them. And here's what I know about Gary and Brenda. It's not cheap to live in Kenya. It's not cheap to do what they've done. Um, the, the places where they have to live for security reasons, um, it's not cheap. In fact, Nairobi has a large U.S. embassy, has a large U.N. presence. And what, what's actually happened because of the, the foreign governments that have a presence is they've driven the rent prices really high for the Westerners that live. They, they can't live just anywhere in the community. They have to live in a place that's secure so that they don't become a target. And so their expenses, their living expenses are, are way above what we would even have here in Glendora. And here's what I know of Gary and Brenda, because I've seen it, and we've had the hard conversations, is that they will take from their personal finances to finance the ministry so that those children don't go hungry. They've sacrificed for their family to be a blessing in that community. Um, I love this family. I love that they do ministry as a family. It's, it's dear and dear to Megan and my heart, and I know as a church, that's something that we love. Part of the reason why our kids are in with us this morning. But here's what I, I want to ask you to do. See, they're only here for a few weeks at a time in the States. And as they said, they, they fundraise. And of course, we're going to receive an offering in a minute. We'd love to bless them. And as a church to, to support you. And I know even on this trip... I'd love for us to, as a church to pray about how can we be a support to this ministry and what's going on in Kenya. I love that as a church, we actually have significant ties to the nation of Kenya. Um, our church has connect, and, and believe me, we're going. It's not going to be long before you hear, hey, we're going to Kenya, come be a part of this team so you yourself can walk those streets um, and see what God is doing. But I want you to pray about this as well. See, it's just one, it's one thing to give, write a check. Um, but you know the story. You've heard just a few of the stories, and there's more. You know that every one of those purses, those bags, those items, they're named for the people that make them. That the, the, the doll, in fact, Celeste, would you hold up? That's the Sarah doll. And on her back is a little baby. That's Sheila. Sarah designed that doll, and she makes those dolls, and Sheila's the one who runs Jacaranda Care. She has a degree uh, in nursing, and she is one of the most amazing people on the face of the planet. But there's a story behind every one of those items. If you go to jacarandacommunity.com, and you see that the web address is there on the bulletin, we can even put it back up on the screen, David. That would be okay. We have that slide. Visit the website. There's stories on the website. And then I want to encourage you to do this. Share it. Get it on your Facebook page. Put it on your Twitter. Tell your friends. Share the story because this family and this ministry, there's huge potential, but they need people like us to be able to stand with them and support them. And I know they wouldn't say it so plainly, but I will. Because I believe in what they're doing. I know that, they've, that God's called them. He's called them. And there's so much more. Every time we talk about Jacaranda, uh, the, the picture is this. This thing's about to explode. And it's big already, but God is expanding and expanding because there's much work to be done. There's much work to be done. 
and we want to be a part of it. So as, as the Lord would lead you, um, would you, would you consider partnering with them? We, we can give a gift this morning, but if you would even want to partner monthly, I know that any missionary would say it's the one-time gifts are great, but it's the regular monthly support. You can give here at New Community and, you know, write on your tithe envelope, you know, for Jacaranda, and we can, we can give directly through Foursquare Missions and support our missionaries in Kenya. You can give through their website. Um, there's a place to give there as well. Let's partner in the work that God's doing around the world and see what he can do. I want to invite the ushers to come forward. And I'm going to pray. We're going to pray over you guys. Would you, I'm going to ask you to extend your hands uh, and, and pray a blessing over this family. We'll pray for this offering. And then uh, we'll, be, we'll be dismissed in just a few minutes. So Father God, I thank you. Lord, they, we're blessed to be a blessing God, I know that in in this community and in this nation, there's very few places where we understand and see poverty the way that it exists in Kenya. But Lord, I know that even this morning, our hearts have been stirred. And Lord, that you care about the people in this room. You care about the people in this neighborhood. Lord, that you are for them and not against them. And you are for the, the men, the women, and the children who live in the slums of Nairobi and throughout that nation. And God, that you know their names, you know their situations. And Lord, I thank you that our giving today and our prayer today and our partnership today can make a difference in a life of a person that we, will know, we won't meet on this side of heaven. God, that we can sow into kingdom work, Lord, that will have exponential impact beyond what we could imagine Lord, I pray that as we give, as we partner, as we pray, God, that every every gift, every prayer lifted up, Lord, everything that we do to come alongside this family and this work, God, it would be multiplied. Just as you took those simple loaves and fish and you multiplied and there was leftover. God, I pray that you would bring the kind of resource, Lord, it would be multiplied, that Gary and Brenda would not be in a place going, uh, how are we going to make it? They would say, what are we going to do with the, the, the resource we have left over? And they would be, be able to expand, Father God. I pray that not just for this church, but for other churches, Lord, for other pastors to be moved, for individuals, Lord, for corporations, for businesses. Lord, your word says in Isaiah 60 that you will cause the Gentiles to, to fund, to, to finance the work of the ministry. God, I pray that there would be people who don't even believe in you yet to bring resource for this ministry. I pray for favor with the local government. I pray for favor in that community. I pray, Lord, that doors that have not been opened before would be flung wide open, Father God. We pray for the Foursquare Church in Kenya. Lord, we pray that you would bring the Foursquare Church in Kenya into season of abundance and prosperity and health, Father God. That the struggles of the past would be behind, and God, that there would be a season Lord, of just of strength ahead and multiplication for the Foursquare Church. And even as, as Bishop Ondicho said, Lord, that you would cause Jacaranda to increase so that their ministry would have the impact in the Foursquare Churches, the blessing that comes through that, Father. I thank you for a couple who walk in a family, who've walked in obedience, who walk in such a way that say, we'll do this because we know God is with us. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, if you would pass the baskets. Can we say thank you to Gary and Brenda and to their family for being here today? I know when Brenda says we could be here all day telling stories, no lie. And I, and I, I know even for myself, there are stories. I have a, a, a pair of Converse shoes, um, kind of like Gary's, um, that I, I don't think I'll ever throw them away. And here's the reason is I walked through uh, Marui slum with those shoes. African soil is this deep, deep red. And, and it stains, it just, it does, it gets on you and you can't get it off. I walked through that slum with uh, those chucks on and the white parts of those shoes have red stains on them from the mud. And I love those shoes because every time I put them on, I pray for Gary and Brenda and the work they're doing. Um, the kingdom impact of our lives, can we stand together? started this service saying you don't know how powerful you are but it's in you the power of the Holy Spirit in you you are a nation changer you are a world changer who you are and if you will meet God in that place oh the stories the testimonies that will come but we gotta step out we got to move. So God, I pray, empower us, cause us to have a faith, a bold faith, to go to the places you call us to, to do the things, Lord, whether around the world or in our neighborhood. We'll rely on your, the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I want to invite the prayer team. I know we're, we're quite a bit over this morning. Thank you for your patience. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward. Um, and here's what I'm going to ask. The point of application today If during this message, God started stirring your heart or reminding you of something he spoke over your life, a place where he was calling you out, a place where he's prodding you and saying, it's time to step out. Would you come and pray with our prayer team this morning? Allow them to partner with you and agree with you. Sometimes those things stay hidden in our hearts. And it's until we step out and actually say it out loud that there's some oomph behind it, right? And there's some accountability. If God was stirring your heart, would you come pray? If you have any other prayer needs as well, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Otherwise, we're going to move the party up to the picnic area. We're going to fire up the barbecue in a few minutes. If you're not able to, to stay and fellowship with us this afternoon, we pray you have a blessed week. And, and uh, we don't have to stack chairs today. It's summertime. We get to leave it.